0: have known each other for quite a while. It's been about 10 years now since I met Pastor Daniel, and if you can believe it, we met in level one. Yes. We sat down, I sat down at level one, and sitting next to me is Pastor Daniel. I didn't know he was a pastor at that time. I just started talking to him and started to getting to know him, and I never in my mind would have imagined that at that point in time, 10 years later or so, that I would be in his church in Michigan of all places. <laughs> Ten years this month. Yeah, 10 years this month. That I would have been in Michigan with him, and I never would have thought that I would have the privilege to be able to stand here and share what the Lord has put on my heart today. So it's a privilege for me to stand here and share with you today. But I will say that this is my first time ever to teach on a weekend service. So I was putting on this countryman this morning, and I've helped a lot of people put this on because I've served in tech for a long time. I was thinking to myself, this is so weird. No wonder everyone is like, Every speaker I'm putting this on is, like, acting awkwardly. I understand now. I empathize with all these speakers that are, like, fiddling with this thing because I was fiddling with it this morning. (laughs) So because it's my first time, I need your help. Can you help me? And this is the way that you can help me. I'm going to show you some pictures of my kids. When I show you pictures of my kids, you say, "Aww." (laughs) When I say something that you agree with because it's the Word of God, you can say, amen. Yes, that's right. Let's try it. Amen. Amen. Yes, that's right. So that's how you can help me. And that'll encourage me. And as you bind your faith with mine, I believe that the word of God is going to speak to us and give us a word that's going to change our life forever. Speaking of which, let's hold up our Bibles this morning. I I brought my electronic version because that's what I use. And let's say this. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word. That'll change my life forever. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And while you're doing that, I'm going to show you some pictures of my kids. I get to do that because I have a brand new one. Her name, that's right, aww. Her name is Kaya Joy. She was born on September 13th, so she's only about four weeks old. She was born 8 pounds 4 ounces and 20 inches long And I know that's like the normal size of a baby, but she was the largest of our three children that we have. So we are very happy to have her. She keeps us up at night. And I style her hair like that because it looks exactly like mine. (laughs) And there's only so long that I can do that because soon her hair will be long enough where I can't do that anymore. I ran into that with my first daughter. Speaking of which, uh, the next picture is of my daughter and my son. Aw, thank you, Angie. (laughs) So... I picked this picture because it really exemplifies who they are. Brielle loves the color pink and loves tutus. She is my girly girl. If she could wear a tutu every single day, she would. And we now have enough tutus that she can actually do that. So we're very thankful for that. My son, Asher, loves um, like trucks and balls and all sorts of boy things. And if you look really closely on his left knee, he has a Band-Aid on him. That's because he is a boy. He runs into things, he jumps off of things, and he's constantly hurting himself. But I am thankful that God is our healer because he heals him. <laughs> and sitting in the back is my wife, Velvet. I don't know what I would do without her, but I am so thankful for her. If you can believe it, she took care of our three children while I was out of town this entire week. And and not just that, but she also started homeschooling our daughter. I think she is an amazing woman. And in, on top of all of that, she started sending me these texts that were encouraging me throughout the week. I'm like, how amazing of a woman did you bless me with, God? Thank you, Lord, that you blessed me with my wife. Yeah. So we moved here about five years ago, and we are loving Michigan, but I do still have some California-isms in me. I still say soda, so some, some of these might come out as I'm teaching this morning. All right, 1 John 4. Did you guys find it? If you didn't, I know it's my fault because I distracted you with pictures. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna read 1 John 4 verse 18. And I'd like us to read all this together loudly. And we're gonna read it from the screen so we all read the same things. Are you ready? Alright, here we go. One, two, three, go. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Let me read it to you. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Cast out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. When Pastor Daniel asked me to speak a couple of weeks ago, I said, okay, let me, let me pray about it, and I prayed about it, and I felt like this is the right thing to do, and then I thought, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> this is my first time to teach. I don't teach on a regular basis, so I don't have this big grab bag of sermons to just go <laughs> pull something out of, but I thought, I know, Lord, that you can tell me what to speak about. And I was thankful that that same week we had Rock Conference because sitting in one of our sessions, I don't remember which one it was, but I know that it was a time of worship and it was a time of ministry. I began to ask Lord, Lord, what would you have me share with our congregation? Drop a word in me so that I can show them or teach them and share with them the things that you would have me say. And I felt like he dropped this sentence into my heart and it was, perfect love casts out fear perfect love casts out fear. And I thought to myself, Lord, I don't feel qualified to teach about perfect love casting out fear, but I know that you can show me some things about perfect love casting out fear. And so I began to study it out through the course of the week and a half that I had. And he started to show me something. So I want to share those things with you. Can I do that? Yeah. Yes. All right. So perfect love casts out fear. And I like to break things up and analyze things like Pastor Daniel was talking about. It's probably because I've been doing it for a while. i I work as a software engineer and so that's kind of what I do, I break things apart. And so when I looked at the sentence, perfect love casts out fear, I broke it into like the subject, the verb and the direct object. And the verb of this sentence is casts out. And so perfect love is the subject, and then casts out is this action that's being taken on fear. And I began to think to myself, well, what does that look like? I'm also a very visual learner, visual type of person, and I thought to myself, I wonder if it's like when oil and water are mixed together and then they get separated like this. Is, is it the case that when perfect love casts out fear that it just pushes oil to the side, right? And I thought, well, let me, let me keep studying this. And as I kept reading this verse, I noticed a couple of things. At the beginning of the verse, it says, there is no fear in love. And the end of the verse said, he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So if there's this place of fear and love comes in, there's, that gets dissipated. And if there's, a, if there's any fear in the place of love, love doesn't exist. So the, what I noticed was that love and fear couldn't actually coexist in the same space, unlike this oil and water. See, oil and water here are coexisting in the same physical space. But when love and fear come together, one dispels the other, kind of like light. So I thought, I think light is a better illustration of what happens when love comes into an environment. So I have this picture of light, actually. Oh, let me show this picture first. So they're following something I asked them to do earlier. So light in this picture, any place the light touches, the darkness is gone. So imagine that the darkness is like fear. When light comes into that area, boom, all the light is gone, right? And that's exactly what's happening. In fact, the definition of darkness is the absence of light. So in a place where darkness exists and light comes into, darkness is gone. It's expelled because dark and light cannot coexist. So I want us to say this together. Perfect love, love. casts out, cast out fear. Perfect love, Perfect love. casts out fear. And now, I'm going to have them turn off lights. And I want to use this as an illustration. We're going to say, perfect love casts out fear again. And this time, after we say, perfect love casts out fear, all the lights are going to come on. And this is what happens when perfect love casts out fear. So let's say this together. One, two, three, go. Perfect love casts out fear. Boom, the lights come on. Yeah. So. When perfect love comes in, or when light shines into a dark room, did you notice that all the darkness disappeared? Mm-hmm. That's what happens when perfect love comes into an environment of fear. It casts it out and dispels it. There's not even a hint of it left, right? And this is the word that the Lord dropped into my heart. And I thought to myself, well, Lord, am I in a place of fear right now that I need to share this? Or maybe there's fear in other people's lives that I need to share about this. So I thought to myself, well, what is fear? The Oxford Dictionary defines fear as this. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something, is danger- or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain or a threat to you. Let me read it again. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. And I thought to myself, I don't feel like I'm in this situation very often where someone or something is going to cause immediate pain to me or danger. I don't live in California anymore. There's not this threat of an earthquake coming around and blowing California off the map. (laughs) It doesn't happen in Michigan. (laughs) Although although we did have an earthquake here already once before about a few years ago. And I don't live in a bad part of town. I don't feel like I'm going to get shot in a drive-by or anything like that. There's not this constant source of Um, danger around me but then the lord began to show me that fear isn't just this belief that something dangerous is going to happen there's other kinds of fear that can happen so this this type of fear that i first described is an emotional response because i know something dangerous is going to happen but there's also fears that might be injected by the enemy the devil and i want to share with you a story that's happened to me actually two stories um, I was driving down the 94, and you might hear Southern, several Southern Californians say the 94. If you want to know why, I'll tell you why after service. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a, there's a specific reason why we say the 94. So I was driving down the 94, and I got off on the off-ramp, and I saw a homeless person asking for some money. And I, I began to have these thoughts of, like, should I give them some money? And then all of a sudden, these other thoughts came into my mind of, like, what if I helped every homeless person that just started giving out all my money, like, I wouldn't have any money for myself. That was fear, right there, because it was a fear that I would run out of money and I wouldn't have any money to take care of myself. Was it a realistic fear of pain? No, it wasn't. There was no pain involved in that. There was no threat involved in that. But it was this fear that I wouldn't be taken care of. In another scenario I had... I was working in a place and I had this manager and this manager had made clear to me his worldviews on religion. He was an atheist and there was no doubt about that. He believed thing- that things were a certain way and then I felt like the Lord said, tell him about Jesus and how Jesus loves him. And I thought to myself, Lord, this is my manager. Like He controls <laughs> whether I get hired or fired or <laughs> promoted or not. And this fear crept in and said, you shouldn't say anything to him because you may never get promoted. And it was very subtle. It wasn't a threat of pain. It wasn't a threat of torture. But this unrealistic thought came into my head that said, you need to be anxious right now. These emotions started rising up within me that that at that time, at that moment, prevented me from walking out in love But what did we just say? Perfect love? That's That's right. So why was there fear in me? Well, if I look at the end of that verse, it says this. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. What that meant, because I feared, was that my love had not been made perfect yet. But I also took heart, because I know that if my love had not been made perfect, there's a step and a procedure to be made perfect in love, right? There is a way to be made perfect in love. So I began to ask the Lord, Lord, show me, how, what are the steps to be made perfect in love? And I'm a very procedural type of person. Angie tells me, Titus, you have a procedure for everything. And it's true, I think I do. I have a way to rock my babies to sleep, <laughs> and I do it the same way almost every single time. I can't say it works every single time. (laughs) I have a way that I make my coffee, I measure the beans that I put in, I measure the water that I pour into it. I'm a procedural kind of person, and to know that there were these steps to attaining perfect love was helped me feel good as a person. (laughs) So I want to share those things with you. So whenever I study the Word, I kind of like to look at this verse that impacted me and then look backwards through the Word to see what were the surrounding verses that talked about perfect love. So I looked back at verse 12 of chapter 4, and it said this, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Ah, here we go. Here's a place where it talked about love being perfected. And the next verse says this, By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. And what I noticed was that the first step to, to achieving perfect love was this, God abiding and how does God abide in us? It's when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And it's not just when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's also when we take time to spend with him on a daily basis. Pastor Jerry talked about this during the first night of Rock Conference, how Jesus will come and wash our feet. We just have to let him. We don't, we're not continually dirty, like he told Peter. Peter, you just need your feet washed because you, your, your feet got dirty. And there are certain areas in our lives where if we allow God to wash our feet and to abide in our lives, that we begin to realize, oh, God, this is what you think about me. And he begins to show us who we are in him. And this reality of God showing us who we are in him is the first step to having perfect love. But it also takes us abiding in him. It's a two-way relationship. It's this vertical relationship of God abiding in us and us abiding in him. Right? So I, looked, I kept looking, and I thought, there's got to be more steps in this. And in chapter 2, it talked about perfecting love also. In chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Here we go. Here's another verse that talks about love being perfected. And it said, whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know we are in him. And I thought to myself, well, what is this word that we need to keep? Jesus talks, or John speaking here says in verse 7 that this is the word. Brethren, I write to you no new commandment, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. And so the word that we're supposed to keep is this old commandment that was from the beginning. Well, what was the commandments that were given at the beginning? Well, when the law was first given, it was the ten commandments, right? right. Well, the first four of the Ten Commandments talked about our relationship with God. The next six of the Ten Commandments talked about our relationship with others. And Jesus summed it up like this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So he said, "So it was this, abiding in God, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the word that was spoken about. So step two was loving others. And in chapter 2, verse 5, it said that if we keep this word, loving God and loving others, love is perfected. Those are the two steps that cause love to be perfected. But I'm a little bit of a math geek, and I like things in equations. So I put up, made this equation. It's perfect love equals God abiding and us loving others, right? And that's how I picture it in my mind now that if God is able to show me who I am, it makes it easier for me to love others. And it's because if I had taken into consideration what I knew that God was telling me in those circumstances where I saw that homeless man, I I would have known that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches. There's no reason to have that fear. And so I can love this person freely, and love would have been perfected. And we've been hearing about this over the last few weeks. Pastor Jerry talking about us, a Jesus coming and washing our feet. And then Pastor Daniel reminding us last week that now that Jesus has done this, now you and go do the same thing. Yeah. We've been hearing about perfect love yeah. these past few weeks. And you know what perfect love does? Perfect love? Casts out fear. Perfect love? Casts out fear. That's right. Perfect love casts out fear. And... I thought to myself, Lord, I, I believe that this is something that you've done in your own life. And he showed me a circumstance where Jesus himself cast, had love perfected in him and cast out fear. And I was reminded of this story of the Garden of Gethsemane. And in Mark 14, it says this. And he, Jesus, took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but you will. Let's look back at verse 33. And there it said, He began to be troubled and deeply distressed. An unpleasant emotion started to rise up within him because of the threat of imminent pain, because of the threat of imminent danger. What is that? It's fear. Fear was rising up within Jesus. This this fear was causing him to be troubled and deeply distressed because he knew what was going to happen. Jesus knew the prophecies of Isaiah that said that he was going to be beaten, mocked, scorned, wounded, crucified on a cross. He knew that was going to happen. That imminent threat was causing fear to rise up within him. But he already knew. He also knew that. God was going to raise him from the dead. So it wasn't like this unrealistic fear. This was a real fear that physical pain was going to be inflicted upon his body. And this is what he did. He said, Disciples, you stay right here. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to pray. But you pray for me while I pray over here. And so he began to do this. He began to pray, Abba, Father. And you know what happened? God started to abide with him. Right? Right? God started to abide with him, and he started to abide with the Father. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Like, if I don't have to do this, I, I don't want to do this, because it's going to be painful. And God said, you need to do this, because I love them. I love my people. This is why I need you to die on the cross. This is why I need you to be wounded for their transgressions. I need you to be bruised for their iniquities. I need you to be chastised so that they can have peace. I need you to take those stripes so that they can be healed. God began to tell Jesus, Jesus, this is what you need to do. And they abided with each other. They started connecting with each other. And Jesus had this response that we read about in Hebrews 12:2. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That abiding caused Jesus to reach out his arms and love others. What is that? Abiding and loving others. What is it? It's perfect love. And what did it do? It cast out that fear, and Jesus went to the cross for us. He opened up his arms and went to the cross for us. And that perfect love that casts out fear, when when God raised Jesus from the dead, it caused the salvation of us all. It made it possible for us to receive salvation. And not just that, he took our fears with him. And so the unrealistic fears that we face, Jesus took those on him, and he said that I have now taken. I have given, not given you the spirit of fear. I have given you the spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. That's what it says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. That's, so we do not need to take that spirit of fear either. And so when we're in this situation of fear... We can very much like Jesus. Lord, let me abide with you right now, because I'm in a place of fear. I'm in a place where I, I, I'm worried that if I go talk to my boss, that I'm going to be rejected right now. Maybe I'm in a place where if I talk to him, I'm never going to get promoted. But Psalm 75 says this: "Exaltation does not come from the east, the west or the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another, right? That's the promise that God has for us. These fears don't need to exist in us. As we find out the things that God has said about us, we can reach out our arms and start loving others, just like Jesus did when he died on the cross. And yeah, we might have to lay down our lives, maybe metaphorically speaking. Maybe we have to take that step out and talk to our coworker, or maybe even somebody that isn't our own race, or somebody that doesn't believe the same things that we do. But as we die to those things, the Bible says, no greater love has any man than this than a man lay down his life for his friend. And as we lay those things down, people's lives are touched. People's lives are transformed. Jesus was able to save the whole world. We may be able to save our next door neighbor only, or maybe our boss, or maybe someone we see on the side of the street, but we can make a difference too. Because Jesus said he's operating in us. And we have the same authority that he gave us.